Hello. Hello. My name is Alex. And my name is Val. And we have a podcast. Called? It's called In at the End. It is. It's a podcast about The Sopranos. Mm-hmm. We watch The Sopranos. We talk about The Sopranos. We think about The Sopranos. Yep. Um, we do this on every night that we have where <laughs> Times. one of us isn't working. Hmm. And so it feels like a real job sometimes. Yeah, this is our real job. Yeah. <laughs> We're uh, professional uh, Sopranos yeah, this is commentators. Not... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to talk today about season five, episode three. Where's Johnny? Where is Johnny? That really is the question. Where is he? Right. In a very kind of vague, metaphorical way. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll talk about it. Um, we looked over the episodes that are in season five, mm-hmm. and shit gets real crazy pretty soon. It does. The back half of the season is very loaded. Yeah. There's a lot happening, and there's a lot of pretty masterful episodes. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I don't, like, if you had to ask me about episodes that stand out in this season so far, mm-hmm. um, I don't really remember these episodes like rat pack two tonys where's johnny i I remember (laughs) those are the episodes that we've (laughs) seen so far um yeah like i remember like i remembered about the bear right um i remember junior's dementia getting worse I wouldn't have been able to tell you like what happens in which episode because mm-hmm. it does kind of seem like at least for these first three episodes that we're kind of like setting up this season, right? We're still kind of meeting these new characters that have come out of jail. Um, was Lorraine in jail or was we just never met That's her That's a before? good question, actually. Uh, I don't... I think we've just never met her. Okay. That was a question I was having. Um, but yeah, That's like we were kind of setting up stuff for this season yeah in some ways there's not a ton at least for me that differentiates these episodes Mm -hmm. all that much there are some themes that kind of carry through that we've discussed in our past episodes but for me this really is the setup this is like things do kind of seem to be bumbling along somewhat yeah and the drama seems to be unfolding around new york and the new jersey characters are kind of on the periphery of that yeah and tony is kind of in an as an advising role but he's not directly related to the main amped up drama that's happening yeah and it's interesting like we just get little insights into it as well right like we even though lil carmine is at the heart of this drama we don't see him in this episode yeah. right we see some of the other guys we see johnny sack um we see angelo mm-hmm. we see um, Phil Leotardo, who we still haven't like been properly introduced to. He's just right. kind of around. That kind of is his proper introduction. Yeah, he's just kind of like there. <laughs> Which is pretty wild, out. yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, like we, you know, again, like Lorraine, who may or may not have been in jail. I think she wasn't because she has that studly boyfriend. Right, and because she, uh, we know now that Tony slept with her once a long time ago. Well, it doesn't mean <laughs> she wasn't in jail. That's right. <laughs> but she's not... She's not doing great. She's kicking up to the wrong person. Right. Yeah. There is this power vacuum and there is this hierarchy that's being called into question, which is interesting. 
That is interesting, though, in terms of an introduction of Phil Leotardo, because he's really on the periphery leading mm-hmm. up to this. But now we actually see him speaking and engaging with people. Mm-hmm. That yeah. was an interesting scene, though, for me, because it was one of a few where they establish Which a scene character. are you talking about? The one that you were just talking about where Phil Leotardo comes in and we have Lorraine. It's interesting. Oh, the be- one at the bar. Yeah, the at the bar, okay. which is interesting for me because it's one of a few scenes where somebody is in a scene and comes across as if they're in a position of power and then is kind of brought down by somebody else and is made Mm. to be more powerless as Mm. the scene unfolds. So she comes in and she's kind of bossing around this bartender. What, you're turning people away? You know, she's saying... Yeah, if I weren't a woman. Yeah. I mean, she uses worse words than that. Right. But if I weren't a woman, (laughs) would you be... Bossing me around. Yeah, she seems to be... Would you be not kicking up the full amount? Right, Yeah. yeah. So she seems to be kind of in a position of power somewhat and yet it completely changes and as Phil Leotardo comes in she is submissive to him and we see Phil Leotardo then asserting himself um interestingly the other one that made me think about that was the Lamana landscaper who's up in the tree who we see like with a chainsaw yeah and we see Polly coming up and there's this guy holding him up there and Polly's coming and he's pretends to kind of back off and says like oh, okay I won't do anything and as we see him up there the Lamana brand has now kind of been established as one that's rather tough mm-hmm. one that kind of intimidates that shouldn't be messed with and yet that scene changes where then Polly messes with them and kind of like beats them both up makes him fall out of a tree and dominates in that situation interesting so it's just something that I was thinking about in this episode where characters can come across a certain way but then exist in a hierarchy to an extent where they get screwed. And I feel like most people in The Sopranos kind of get screwed if you're not at the top of a hierarchy. Yeah. And even somebody like Lorraine, who is rather high within a hierarchy, can still kind of get messed with very easily mm-hmm. and can kind of be killed or, you know. Well, and yeah. It, yeah, it happens on all levels of the hierarchy. So, like, we have Polly, who, you know, like, isn't that high on the hierarchy, right? Like, he... Medium. Yeah, but like like he he struggles with his position in the hierarchy, right. right? Like we see him like when he talks to Feech, like he's kind of talking down about Tony, like they're like how's the boy, you know? Like yeah. um and we've heard him say things like that before. And then he's kind of getting his power trip from manipulating this situation surrounding Salvitro yeah. and Lamana landscaping, yeah. whatever first name of Lamana Right. Nephew is. I, I didn't. It's fine. Yeah. I didn't get that. But, um, you know, he's kind of like, he's the only one winning in that situation, right. too, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's interesting, too, with Lorraine, how uh, Johnny Sack talks about, like, she's saying, whack this guy, whack that guy. She was kind of very partial to killing people and they're saying now she'll get a taste of her own medicine so Mm. people being in a position to take things out on other people and now that's being kind of flipped back on them yeah but everybody's position in life seems rather precarious and it's pretty easy for things to turn on them yeah and everybody this this concept of kicking up is obviously important and that's why johnny sack and others are fighting for it so desperately because you want to be in that coveted position on top because you're the only one who's kind of protected from this yeah from these changes in yeah. hierarchy that can just kind of leave you stranded. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. I like how Tony's kind of manipulate, excuse me, manipulating the situation in New York, right? Like he mm-hmm. sees this power vacuum 
And so he, when he goes to that meeting and he's the one who suggests a triumvirate, excuse yeah. me, um, hiccups, um, that then later on he says to Johnny Sack that Angelo had this idea, right? right? So like he's, Tony's always playing stuff right. that way. Um, to try to like, and then we hear that, of course, like his goal is to kind of pick up the crumbs, right? Like right. he's happy for there to be yeah. infighting and these power vacuums there yeah. because it just means that he's gaining. So, yeah. Again, like he's not in a position of power in New York, but he's. Right. But there's a, right. But then he's in a, in a place where there's a position to kind of use those hierarchical changes to yeah, his advantage. Exactly. And exactly. be able to actually maneuver around these changes as they happen. Yeah. Where most people are powerless to do that. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. Yeah. And it also, it's interesting that it requires a degree of being a sociopath yeah. and being a manipulator to even navigate those waters. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, I think. Yeah, like, we'll, we slowly are seeing where this gang, not gang, um, mafia-related drama is going to go this season. Mm-hmm. But I, it wasn't the main focus of this episode, that's for sure. Right. So, no, it's not. For me, Junior is kind of yeah. a focal point of the episode. Yeah. Um, and people's relationship to Junior is yeah. an interesting focus of the episode. and people's relationship to, like other people within Junior's generation and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So there was a lot there that I want to touch on at some point. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, like kind of the characters surrounding that, like even like Bobby and Janice and people like that. Yeah. And, and yeah, and Tony and the varsity athlete thing. Yeah. That's huge. And that's going back all the way to the pilot episode where Tony says that, Junior always said I never had the makings of a varsity athlete, which was a tremendous blow to my self-esteem. Yeah. Which is fascinating that that was introduced so early on in the show, and now they're picking up on that and expanding it. Yeah. I mean, it's really interesting, right? So, like, he first says it at that meeting, Mm -hmm. which is just not the place. (laughs) It's not really the place, yeah. Like, it doesn't need to happen there. But then when he does it two times at the dinner, like, Tony actually is coming out and saying, like, at first, like, hey, why are you saying this? You know, like... You embarrassed me, yeah. basically. And then he says it again once Barb arrives, you mm-hmm. know, and, and Tony storms off. I think, like, it's really, like, Tony's self-esteem is really fragile, even though he's, you know, this powerful guy. And there's lots of mention in this episode about there being, like, still the two bosses mm-hmm. and people, like, saying, like, how's the boy, like I said before. But Tony's self-esteem is extremely fragile, right? And there's even, like... um like Janice calls him out and says, like, are you that fragile, right? Like that you'd give up or not give up, but like Junior's your uncle and like him saying this one thing is going to make you like totally disown him, right? Like he's yeah. tried to kill you before. Right. You know? and Right. And, and you guys were okay over that. And like you figured that out. So now, you know, he's saying this thing about you not being a varsity athlete. Yeah, and And that does really affect Tony. I mean, it totally does. Almost to an irrational level. And that's something actually that we see expanded later on, um, even within Tony's subconscious and some dreamlike sequences of Mm -hmm. how important that really is for Mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Um, And I think, like, like, it is really interesting. And I think this episode, like, you know, it being called Where's Johnny and and we're... 
you know, it's making us think about Johnny Soprano anyways, although there's other Johnnies in this episode. Mm -hmm. But that scene at the end where, you know, like he says to Junior, like, why can't you like, he's like, okay. So like, he like kind of gives Junior a pass, right? When he finds out that this is kind of like symptomatic of these strokes or this dementia that, that Junior has, right? Um, he can kind of make an excuse for it, right? Like he, like he's so mad at Junior and then learning that kind of like gives him an out, almost like he doesn't yeah. need to deal with his feelings surround, surrounding it because it's kind of like excusable. Right. He can it's kind of like- It's equally simplistic. Yeah. He had a simplistic way of putting off Junior and then he has a way of bringing him back. That's yeah. also quite simple. But that scene, like, so then, like, then we have them sitting together at the end of the episode, and he says, like, why can't you repeat something good, mm-hmm. right? And then that line where he's like, don't you love me? Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, this episode for me really shows Tony's fragility around, like, the way he was raised and his Absolutely. and his parents, you know, and that that's kind of like this varsity athlete thing is also kind of like symptomatic mm-hmm. of that. And like he talks about like taking an academic leave and stuff like that. Like you kind of get this sense of Tony and the way he was raised um, that like there is something like he's looking for that kind of um, love, I guess, for lack of a better word, from that past generation right right? we have Livia being talked about in this episode also right who's gone now I mean Junior is pretty much the only person left totally like and we even saw that in in was it the last was it last episode I think it was where they go to Tony Blundetto's mom's house and she she has that picture of Livia on her Mm -hmm. wall right like we're really calling these things into yes into our minds but we have Janice becoming more and more Livia like right like um you know, having these whatever bouts of depression and kind of empathizing with Livia. Mm-hmm. Where is it? I, I, ha- I wrote something down. Um, oh, yeah, like how it's like less and less of a mystery about why Livia was right. the way she was. And we have Tony saying she chose that. Right. Right. So Tony kind of like, yeah, gives her agency in choosing to be that way. And Janice right. is like, nobody chooses that. Right. So it's really interesting the way that each of them kind of see their parents and see this older generation, right? Yeah. We also have Bobby saying to Janice, like, it feels like, some, sometimes it feels like I love Junior more than you. Yeah. Right? And then we have that similarly happening when Tony's like, he's dead to me, right? Like, Janice is like, he's your uncle, you know, like trying to pull him back into this familial kind of relationship. Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So I just found that whole thing really interesting. And that scene is pretty, like, we don't, I don't think we see Tony getting that kind of, like, to that level of emotion with any other. It's pretty rare. Characters. Yeah. And, like, and, you know, we don't see him kind of putting himself out there in that way often at all. Right. That he that this is like clearly something that he's concerned about. Like, yeah, who does love Tony now, right? Like Tony is kind of yeah alone and by himself, and so is Junior, right? Like Junior never got married. Even the fact that they called his old girlfriend Bobby yeah when he went missing, right? right? Um, like that was kind of the only person who loved Junior mm-hmm. and the person he had a relationship with. 
Yeah. So I think it's interesting. And then I also do think it's interesting that Junior, in his dementia, is out there searching for Johnny right. Soprano. Yeah. Um, and kind of the primacy, I guess, of that relationship yeah. for him in his life, that that was someone really... Like, that's the person who he's going out to try to find in this moment where he's, like, yeah. confused. and. There's also something for me about the primacy of when somebody is stripped of all of their being. And if somebody mm-hmm. is stripped by dementia, then what is left? Mm-hmm. And that aspect of why can't you repeat something good mm-hmm. is indicative of the fact that mm-hmm. Junior is a person who he doesn't have something good to say. It is all negative, really. Yeah. And these characters are all on a path that's leading them to a life like that, where they're alone where they don't have good things to say. They don't have really that many positive qualities. They've lived in this life of manipulation and this life of taking and using. And that's kind of what you're left with when you're stripped with, of your basic human kind of mm-hmm. abilities to, to kind of control yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the, the varsity athlete thing is really key. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting because I think that Tony is wrestling with the psychological implications of what he could have been and how his family pushed him into something. And I think that's a really big thing for him, mm-hmm. for me at least in my mm-hmm. interpretation, because I think that Tony sees himself in a in a manner where he thinks that he could have been a varsity athlete, yes. but everybody told him he couldn't. And he eventually became a member of the mob. Yes. And that was something that I think he truly loved, as we can is indicated yeah. by the fact that it's so prevalent yeah, in his yeah, subconscious yeah. and in his psychology. Yeah. So the fact that Junior pushed him away from that, that his dad wasn't supportive, that people didn't give him support to go into something more constructive and positive and something that he loved is troubling for him and difficult to deal with because he's ended up in something that is exactly what they did, leads to a life of nothingness, mm-hmm. it embodies a philosophy of nothingness, and really only values manipulation and using. Yeah. And so I think it's it's really hard for him. And so when Junior keeps on bringing it up, he just can't deal with that. And it's really interesting how you talk about how he was able to let go that Junior killed him or almost like yeah. tried to kill him. And he knew about that. Yeah. And yet there's something about this that he just can't deal with. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. And, and there's even other lines that kind of like lend us to that too. Like I think it's it's Janice or it's Tony. It's in a conversation with Janice, but I think it's Tony who said, you reap what you sow. Mm-hmm. And Janice says, well, you sure did. And was like, you know, like, yeah. like Tony's there in a tracksuit in his mom's house now with Artie as a That's roommate. That's cool, right? That's good. They're drinking a lot of beers, <laughs> you know, um, kind of showing that connection between those two and like on that, like, what going down this path really looks like in the mm-hmm. end. And we even, to some extent, like we see it with Polly. We see it with a lot, like with Feech, right? Like there's reference made to how Feech never got married either. Mm-hmm. And how that's like, like him and Polly connect on that issue kind of thing. But it's also kind of like, yeah, like once you really go down that, like who's left to take care of, or not take care of you, but like, um, who do you have a real relationship with and who are just the people around you because of your power or yeah um like some kind of you know family connection that isn't that meaningful yeah for you um we have barb getting involved mm-hmm. 
We don't see Barb very often. <laughs> it's a very rare appearance in this show. Um, I thought that was an interesting scene. Like, they're late to this dinner. Everyone's sitting on one side of the table. Like, they've, like, reserved these four spots in a row for them. And they show up late for this dinner. <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand what's going on in right. this world. They haven't been there and been a part of it yeah. either, right? So they really struggle with that. I thought that was interesting. Um, but they're, and, the, like, yeah, I, I can't quite, like figure out all the connections but there's also all these references like tony saying to jan to janice like these family dinners they're important mm -hmm. right and like really tying back to this importance of these familial ties we have a conversation about christopher and how he's not really tony's nephew he's carmela's right. cousin or Dickie Moltisanti is carmela's right. cousin but he was like a big brother to tony right, right. so we see, like, we see how this is, I don't know, I don't know what, what quite the right, right words, but, like, there's a lot here about these familial connections yeah. and what that really means in the end kind of thing. And, mm -hmm. and f like, familial also in, in terms of the mob family. Yeah. Um, Reminds me of Shoplifters. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't seen Shoplifters, go you see should. It. You should go see it. One of the great movies this year. Yeah, um, yeah. The other the other scene that I I liked with Junior was like near the end of his little excursion. Mm -hmm. uh, he's walking on a bridge in yes. New York, and you know he's shuffling along. He's wearing these slippers. He's wearing his bathrobe still, and he stops. And you can kind of you can see the water in the background. And he stops and he looks down off the bridge, and then he kind mm. of turns away from that and again mm -hmm. like we've talked a lot about bridges mm -hmm. but have we yeah we have <laughs> what about uh, colors we've talked a lot about both well i mean season one we was really our heyday of talking about right. both of those things yeah. but we are seeing how these things come back and i think that for me that was kind of junior grappling with his um his mortality right like it's kind of like He's like approaching this end of his life, basically, but he's not quite ready for it right. yet. And so he kind of like looks at it and turns away. Right. But he's more connected with it, right? Like we often see like older people who do start to lose their memory. They do like think that their siblings are still alive, right? right? Like they kind of go like they're more connected with whatever happens to people after they die i have no idea but like it's a really common thing with older people who are close to that point to like have images of or dreams of or think that other people are their siblings or their mom or their dad right, right. people who have like long since right. passed away right so i think that that's a part of it too and like kind of circling this whole other familial issue yeah and it's interesting what he's recalling and what he's seeking out the church he's looking for johnny like you said he's talking about the jupiter club yeah to that lady on the bench which is interesting because she says that place burned down a lot of people died which makes me yeah. think is that a place that was important to him but perhaps they were involved in right. in a fire that actually killed a lot of people yeah. it's interesting like what was important to them at certain times i wouldn't be surprised in fact i would almost expect that there was foul play in that fire and it's Probably. another example of other people being harmed by these places and things that were important yeah. to these people i love that 
line of like I love that dialogue between them. It's just amazing writing, like how he's confused, but she's engaged in the conversation, and he's like, "Do you know me?" And she's like, "Do I know you?" Right? Like it's kind of right. this like. Um, I don't know. It's just a great, yeah. there's a great bit of dialogue. I can't do it justice myself, but. Yeah. No, totally. Yeah. There's a lot of talk, too, of people calling people kids. Yeah. Which I think is a tool for people to put other people down, and it kind of gets back to that hierarchy. It get, it's, an, it's an opportunity for people to kind of assert themselves as higher or more influential yep. or important than others. Yep. Tony refers to Janice as she's a good kid. Yeah. Feech also refers to Tony as a kid how's the kid the, yeah, boy, the boy king yeah. or whatever um johnny sack is mad because christopher's in there i don't know if he calls johnny him sack is mad remember christopher's right. in that meeting and that's he, right i think he does say something you about should stay being in the kid. car right yeah yeah and so yeah it's, it's interesting when do you get that honor of mm. reaching the elder generation and when do you leave that area to become a part of the generation that junior is now in that requires aid yeah and yet we're seeing that nobody is really capable of giving it i mean bobby's probably the best mm -hmm. and yet it's still not enough yeah and even like he's trying to kind of get out of that right because he's right. dealing with his own family yeah exactly needs or whatever right so yeah, yeah. but we we do see that like Junior's dementia or these strokes or whatever it, you know, whatever it is at this point. Yeah. Um, are pretty severe. Like yeah. leaving your house and thinking that you're going to look for your brother who's been dead for a very long time. Yeah. And like forgetting where your car is and forgetting where you live. Yeah. And going to a building that, like thinking that a building that clearly is not the same building that he would have gone to before. Yeah but he doesn't really notice that, right? Um, like, we can tell that the situation's pretty severe, even right. though he does seem to have these moments of clarity. Yeah. Um, things, are not, things are not great for Junior. Yeah. And it's interesting how people are dealing with it. Like, Janice, in particular, mm -hmm. seems very incapable of looking after him. She comes and well, she's Well, she's not she's capable late. of looking after him. She says she's going to be lying down if anybody cares. It's, like, clearly yeah. not about her. Yeah. When Junior comes back, though, it's interesting because she says she was worried sick, which plays into Bobby's comments of, I wonder sometimes if I love Junior more than you do. Mm -hmm. There's some great things in that scene, too. We see Domino's Pizza and a bunch of Snapple on the table mm -hmm. right after... Bobby said to Bobby Jr., go let, go easy on the Snapple. So there's an aspect of their parenting falling short right. now. And perhaps there will be issues in the future as these children reach their own maturity mm. of having their own issues of their parents not coaching them, of not kind of like dealing with their own problems. Yeah. Well, it is interesting because we see Janice like reading, reading that, that bedwetting, bedwetting book, book but yeah. also taking away the chocolate milk. Right. Earlier, but then letting him have Snapple in the later. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, like, it's just inconsistent parenting, which right. is the worst kind, basically. <laughs> like, that's what the research shows, basically. Right. It's like, you can, Interesting. Be, you can be really passive and, like, maybe that's not ideal. You can be really overbearing. Maybe right. that's not ideal. But the worst thing you could be is inconsistent and unpredictable. Right. Interesting. And children do react to that kind of unpredictable yeah. behavior. So. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, what else? We see Charmaine and Artie. Yep. Artie's living with Tony, like I mentioned. Right. 
Um, things aren't great for him either. His family issues, again, like he's yeah. kind of alone and isolated. And we're so unaware of them. Yeah, we are. I feel like Artie and Tony B and Tony should all live together in that house. Right. There are three bedrooms. It's crazy, too, with Tony. I mean, it's crazy with Tony, the arc that he's having up till this point. I think it's really incredible because the ambition to not have a character in the first episode with a title that's seemingly referring to him. Yeah. Introduce him in the second episode. Yeah. By episode three, he's already so strongly established that it's now at a point where we know who he is and kind of what he stands for, but he's also faded to the background and we're also dealing with him as a character that we aren't getting information about. Yeah. Now he's on the periphery and we don't see what's happening with him yeah. because he's gone straight. Well, it's and really we have creative. Two, we have two scenes with him this episode. It's right? incredible. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really interesting actually, yeah. because again, it gets to the heart of something that I think we talked about a little bit, even in the pilot, like Tony is largely a narrator of this show and we focus on his concerns mm-hmm. and things that are happening around mm-hmm. him. So right now, Tony Blundetta was kind of useless to him, mm-hmm. even though they're supposed to be brothers. It's not like that. I mean, it's yeah. it's so transactional. Well, it's interesting. Like something I'm just thinking about now is like because they we we get a little bit of in, a little bit more insight in this episode into kind of like what happened. Like why was Tony B in jail? What how was Tony Soprano involved mm-hmm. in that? Right. So we right. know there was like something that was going down, and. Tony Soprano didn't show up to it because he got jumped by some guys and ended yeah. up in the hospital. And he sure did. And Tony B went to jail for right. however many years, right? 17 years or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. But we know that this was when Tony was 17. That was right. said in this episode, which is around the same time he would have still been in high school. Right. Right? Like, so mm. this is around the same time as this kind of like trying to be a varsity athlete right. thing. And so... Like, there's a lot of really formative stuff going on for Tony here, right? Like, his life could have taken, like, that was kind of a point for him where his life could have taken these, like, many different trajectories, right? Like, he could have been a varsity athlete. He could be on this path that he's on, or he could have been in jail. Right. Right? And so he there was this kind of, like, divergent point around that same time where, like, things kind of they could have gone many different ways yeah. at that time and then you know and then it's interesting for like Tony Blundetto to come back in and kind of be a marker to see like where things are at then mm-hmm. like based on those things that were happening at that time yeah cuz Tony finished high school right he just he dropped out of college yeah. so mm-hmm. it's in so anyways that was kind of there was some kind of connection to that for me mm. that this would have been around that same time where yeah. that was also an issue for him. Yeah. But it's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. We also have like we get a sense that Tony Blundetto he's not I don't know if he's like that bitter, but like being straight is really hard for him, right? But he really like he's very driven to be that way. Um, but he does like he's really quite cutting. Like he he's like, You always were a lucky fuck or whatever. Yeah. He, like um and Tony gets mad, right? Like, yeah. at first, Tony's like, it could have just as easily been me. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like, we were the same. We're brothers. Like, all this kind of stuff. And then when Tony Blundetto says, like, you were always a lucky guy or whatever. Yeah. Tony's like, well, I've got other sorrows in my life. Yeah. Right? Um, so, again, kind of, like, with where this path sent them both down. Um, 
it's pretty interesting. It's pretty yeah. divergent. Even visually, they really differentiate those yeah. two characters in that so first Steve scene. Steve Buscemi is so, like, skinny and, like, yeah. you know, compared to Tony's. So skinny. Yeah. Yeah, the stature of Tony. And then also Tony's wearing all white. And Tony yeah. Blendetto's wearing these, like, very, this, like, dark jumpsuit. yeah. So, I mean, they really couldn't be in more different mm-hmm. visual spaces at that moment. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And then we see, like... I mean, Feech Lamana, I forgot I forgot how crazy Feech Lamana is. He's a nice guy. Is. I like him. Yeah, he's great. You'd really want to deal with him. When he <laughs> yells, he's really crazy. But we can tell, like, so he's trying to get Tony Blundetto to come in with him, kind of. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what his, I don't know what Feech Lamana's game plan is. Money. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. He has the a importance. bakery. <laughs> um, but yeah, and he's getting himself involved in, you know, the neighborhood um his nephew's landscaping business yeah but you know we we do get this sense that tony blendetto is like a you know a desirable he's like a capable and smart enough guy to be a good asset to tony or to feach lamana or who or to whoever right Mm -hmm. um and that he's making this choice not to not to do that is kind of throwing people off people are kind of like upset about that yeah so yeah yeah um there were some interesting things with time actually Mm. where things were kind of around the same time they were pretty deliberate in showing us Mm. what times things were happening at on clock so for instance like Polly at Feaches, they're showing the time as 11.55, shortly after Tony at Artie's, it's like 12.18. Mm. They're times that are actually very close together. And so many of the, the happenings in this episode seem to be on such a small scale. There's something that seems to be happening where things are happening kind of close together. We're not on the grand scale that this some that this show sometimes operates on. Um, just yeah, to think that those events like are actually times. happening yeah. so close together, but in different places. Yeah. The fact, too, that people are dealing with these, like, bullshit operations, like, landscaping yeah. and even bakeries. And it's just, yeah. like, everybody's so concerned with these small projects. It's it's really kind of underwhelming. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think the I think the title, the Where's Johnny, is mm-hmm. really interesting. Well, where um, is Johnny? You know, like, yeah. who, how is he remembered? Yeah. Where would he have gone? Yeah. Well, yeah. Like what is what, his legacy? What, what might have his trajectory been, too? Right? Like, at some point, he had at least this store that's now a church with vending machines. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, kind of like a patio furniture salesman. <laughs> right. Really. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like, where is he now? And I think, like, this show always deals with, like, elements of, like, the eternal or, like, what happens after you die kind of thing. Like we had reference to people's moms being in hell last yeah. episode. Um, where's where's Johnny Soprano? Yeah. Um, and why why is Junior looking for him? You know? Yeah. Know. Yeah. Um, we got some Curb Your Enthusiasm. Right. Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb. Curb. <laughs> <laughs> I love um, that show. And it's pretty funny. Yeah. I mean, HBO is just selling their <laughs> other shows, I guess. Yeah. But it is pretty funny. Those yeah. characters do look alike. <laughs> Speaking of HBO shows, it was cool. On our way home today, we're just walking by and we see we live in an area of New York where they're filming The Deuce right now. So we live in 
Times Square. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like we live in Times Square. There's peep shows everywhere. Except, yeah, they just chose an area where <laughs> they yeah. could turn it into what would look like that time era yeah. of decrepit New York Times Square. Oh, the other thing that was interesting in this episode was that um, we see the outside of the Bing from a different angle that we sometimes see. Uh-huh. And, yeah. we, and we know where that is Yeah. in Lodi. We've been to that parking lot. <laughs> and the highway out there now is so, much, so bigger. much bigger. Yeah, it's, it's just like, three lanes at the and beginning. And we were confused. We, we've seen a few other scenes like facing that direction, and we were like... Well, because you see greenery, you and see we've reflected this, on yeah. maybe what that could even mean, where there's... yeah. There's conversations that happen in the parking lot or in the bing, and you see through the door what's happening, and it's just not what it looks like now. So that's that has changed. They yeah. expanded the highways. It's there. interesting. Um, yeah. The only other thing I think I had was Tony and his kind of explosion at Janice. Mm. There was an interesting edit right from that point to Feech and Polly and their conversation right. with Tony in this kind of sit-down environment. Right, right, this right. This kind of explosiveness and this kind of like macho, masculine way of just kind of dominating through these problems and putting other people down and attacking um, kind of connected those two conflicts for me. Yeah. I found that kind of interesting. Yeah. But... Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's interesting the mood and the pace of development at this point in season five because it's rather slow paced. They need to take their time to introduce all these new characters, mm-hmm. and I think they're doing it very expertly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting how they roll out the characters and their personalities and their stories. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Thanks for listening. We love talking about Sopranos. We really do. <laughs> so we'll be back soon. We're making our way through season five. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon we're going to get to a point where every episode is pretty jam-packed with stuff. So yeah. Till then. It's going to get crazy. Yeah. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye. See ya.